0: That is the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, starting with the first verse. The word of God reads as follows. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, mortal. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, And breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as commanded me and the breath came unto them and they lived and stood on their feet a vast multitude. Then he said to me mortal these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up. And our hope is lost and we are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place on you on your own soil and you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act. Thus says the Lord. God's word for God's people and God's people said, amen. Amen. I want to spend a little time today talking about uh, dry bones, breath, and life. Dry bones, breath, and life. Uh, Ezekiel uh, 37, 1 through 14 is probably one of the most famous Old Testament passages. Uh, it's definitely the most popular in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel is a little more structured than some of the other Old Testament prophet books. And it's also one of the few times in the Old Testament we talk about death after our life after death. Uh, that's usually not a Hebrew concept until after Jesus comes. Uh, basically, about 600 years before Christ came, a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, Defeated the Hebrew people and captured the kingdom of Judah some of the people became prisoners some of the people got kicked out of their own land and were told not to return and so the people of God were a little bit set, disarrayed when you separated from your family when you are away from your friends when you are not able to access your people that's a little hard gets a little confusing and so that's what was going on with the people of God Uh, theologians call this time the exilic period and uh, one of the things that we got out of it was a lot of what we uh, call the Old Testament that's when a lot of it was written and what wasn't already written got finalized Um, it's interesting you know when people are captured are enslaved sometimes that's when some of the best stuff happens when you have gone through some of the worst periods in your life uh, when you are going through some of the most trouble that's usually when some of the best things come out and that is what happened with this period and it was this period influenced a lot of what we do today it also influenced uh, literature and art Uh, There's a man by the name of James Weldon Johnson from the 1800s. You might know him because he wrote the uh, so-called black national anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Uh, He did a whole lot of other things that I'm going to talk about later, but something else he wrote that was inspired by this this passage was a uh, song in dialect. It had a chorus that said, Them Bones, Them Bones, Them Dry Bones. Them bones, them bones, them dry bones, them bones, them bones, them dry bones. Now hear the word of the Lord. He was talking about Ezekiel 37. This passage is uh, very, very popular. So in it, the prophet Ezekiel is taken to the valley of dry bones. And you can tell a lot about an organism based on its bones. I remember taking a health class in high school and the, uh, the teacher took a skeleton and put it together and uh, told us, how can you tell if this skeleton is male or female? And everybody had all kinds of guesses. Oh, the bones are heavier. It's got to be male. Oh, the bones are shorter. It's got to be female. You know, everybody tried all these different things. And finally, after, I don't know, about 15, 20 minutes of us all getting it wrong, the teacher said, you can tell whether or not the skeleton was male or female by its hip bones. Hip bones for women point out. Hip bones for men point in. The Hip bones for women point out so that they are able to give birth easier. You can tell a lot about bones. That's why we have archaeologists digging up land and looking at bones to tell what happened in the past. That's why when you're sick and you go to the hospital They want to take x-rays so they can see all the way down to the bone level. Bones are important. We get a lot of information from bones. Matter of fact, we even use it in normal conversation. When somebody is weak or gets run over a lot, we say what? They have no backbone. Spineless. Jellyfish. They are missing. Bones are important Ezekiel went to a dry place the bones were dry in the valley and we we can relate to dry situations whether we know it or not trying to look for colleges to go through or just even staying in high school finding money for colleges Mm -hmm. looking for a spouse the first or the second time Uh, struggling to have children struggling to raise children Health issues, finances, looking for a job, losing family members and friends, dealing with our own mortality. we have dry periods in our life. There are times where we really feel like no matter what we do, we fail. No matter how hard we try, it just don't go right. No matter how hard we try, we just can't get along with our relatives. There are dry periods in our lives and we have to deal with them and Ezekiel was being taken to a dry place and God asked him can these bones live yeah. I have to wonder what was going through Ezekiel's mind when he heard that I mean the, the, the idea of bones living is preposterous, it's silly it's crazy, I don't nobody think about that bones don't get up they stay down And I know we can look at it from the end and already see that they got up. But Ezekiel couldn't see that right then when he was asking. So I just got to wonder what was going through his mind. The prophet was told to speak a word that gives life and power. But we've learned not to trust words anymore because we're flooded with them. Words are everywhere. And words on top of words are everywhere. We are bombarded constantly with words. We got commercials. We got radio. We got television. We got magazines, billboards, and news presentations where you got the person in the middle of the screen giving you news. You got words at the bottom about what's going on with other stuff and words on the side about what's supposed to be coming next. It's really hard to watch TV. And I used to edit video for a living so I was responsible for putting all those words up there and we're just bombarded for them. And, and, and now, even social media. Mm-hmm. You know, advertisers are competing for what we call the second screen. So, we know you're watching TV, right? Mm-hmm. But we also know that when you watch TV, you're on your phone, mm-hmm. on your tablet, or you got your laptop open in front of the TV. So now they not only want to control what you watch on the first screen, but they want to control what you watch on the second screen. Yeah. I, I've learned now That I don't need to get on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram on Thursday nights after 9 p.m. Central Standard Time unless I want scandal spoiled because that's all they're going to be talking about. My entire timeline, I can't watch scandal until after the kids go to sleep. But if I get on Facebook, I'm going to end up watching Scandal because everybody's going to be up there. I can't believe Hug did this and Olivia did. So (laughs) that's that second screen because not only do we watch TV now, but we, we tweet about it. We Instagram about it. We update our Facebook status about it. But it's words, 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 words. And we've learned not to trust words over time because we see so many of them. Speed limit signs are suggestions. At the bare minimum, we look at the speed and we put an extra five on it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We know politicians are lying, oh, either by omission or by commission. They or they're intentionally lying, or they just don't realize that they can't keep all the promises they actually made. Yeah. You know, you'll 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 make a you'll make a law, or you'll run on the law saying that you're going to get this brand new law uh, passed, and when you finally get elected. You realize that you still just a freshman senator and you're not even on the committee that gets to change that law. So you made a promise that you couldn't keep. But we know it and we still vote for, I guess, who we think is going to lie to us the least. We don't trust words. We we make vows and we break them. We sign contracts and we nig on them. Uh, Gossip columns and blogs are more popular than ever. I was hearing uh, one reporter talk about the news situation right now and and in terms of trusting and not trusting words. He said that the problem with most news today is folks would rather be first with the story and wrong than third with the story and right. When the wrong one gets out there, it's real hard to bring it back in. That's basically why, you know, somebody can spread a lie about you and that lie they say I travel the world twice before the truth even gets out of bed
1: because
0: we don't trust words anymore but the lies seem to just move and we just accept it we've stopped placing value on the word and I can see in my mind having some trouble believing somebody telling me to tell some bones or asking me whether or not some bones can live just because of how words have been so phony and because of phony words we've got phony people and phony people hang around even more phony people and phony people make a phony lifestyle and so we get caught up in these words but the word of God is different than the word of man he's not a, he's not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent his word is there and when God says something it happens Genesis 1 and 3, it says, God says, Let there be light, and there was light. He spoke and it happened. He spoke and the world was formed. He spoke in the days, everything was created. Isaiah 55 says in 10 and 11, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return until they have watered the earth and making forth sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. Some translations say void. Same thing. When when God says something, it's got to happen. Yeah. So it will accomplish that which our purpose and succeed for the thing that sent it. Words are important when they're coming from God, no matter how unimportant they are when they come from man. John 1 and 1 says in the New, New Revised Standard, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And then John 1.14 says that the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we have seen his glory in the glory of the father, son, full of grace and truth. The word is powerful. And uh-huh. Psalms 119 verse 25 says, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. You see, that's what's going on in Ezekiel. The word is being, the, the, the bones are being revived according to the word. And I, I figured that the reason why we have trouble believing the word sometime is because we have only made God as big as we want him to be. We want a God that we can control. We want a God that we can determine who gets healed and who doesn't. We want a God that we can determine who can bless and who can't. And We have put in our own mind how big God is. And God is sometimes only as big as our imagination. And we put him in a box. And because we put him in a box, we we don't really believe sometimes that God can open up blinded eyes and heal the sick. And give people who had absolutely no chance of living an opportunity to survive and be walking and talking. But God is much bigger than that. Schubert Ogden, a theologian that graduated from Perkins School of Theology, said that God is the all-inclusive whole of all reality. Everything that is real is God, all of it. Anything less than that is not God. The all-inclusive whole of all reality, anything you can think of and then some, God is that. Anything less than that is not God. Even though man has failed us, we can rely on God because God has knowledge that we do not. He can revive our dry situation. So God revives this dry situation, giving a word. And then he gives breath. And breath is important. We use the word for so many different terms. Breathe, child, breathe. When somebody's shocked and they can't breathe right now, you tell them to breathe, you can take the air out of a room when you say something. When somebody talks a lot and doesn't really have much action behind what they got to say, we say they are full of hot air. Some of y'all ain't quite... We might say they are full of something else, but for the context of the sermon... Full of hot air. When you try to tell somebody something and it's not received well, you're wasting your breath. When you think something is not going to happen, but somebody's excited about it, what we tell them, don't hold your breath on it. Breath is important. And the Hebrew word used for breath in this passage is ruach or ruach. But it also means wind. And it also means spirit, as in spirit of God. Breath is important. Something I noticed about the text that has helped me is that they were promised breath, but they got put together first. The promise came in verse 5 for the breath, but the actual breath did not come. Until verse 10. You know there will be times in life. Where we are waiting on God's promise. He told us that he would never leave us nor forsake us. He told us that we would have life. And have it more abundantly. He told us all of these things. That we'd be the head and not the tail. And above and not believe. We've got the promise. But we haven't gotten it yet. Sometimes in life. We are still caught up between verses 6 through 9. We heard verse 5, but we're still caught up on 6 through 9. And because we're still in our 6 through 9 moment, we might think that God is not coming. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: We might think that God is not here to repair that relationship or here to give us hope or here to give us a, a healing. Amen. But we're just in the 6 through 9 moment. The verse 10 is coming. All right. We just have to wait. Amen. So the Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint we just need to wait God's timing is not our timing and sometimes it's better if we wait sometimes the people that get everything they want also get a little stuff that they didn't want as well you think it's time to get that new job. You think because you've prayed for a new job and you've prayed for some, some finances and you get the first job that comes along but that's also the first job they lay off. Amen. So we ought to sit tight and wait on it from the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. We wait for the life-giving breath. We've heard the promise. All we have to do is wait. And verse 6 through 9 can be a long time. It can be days, it can be months, it can be years, it can be children, it can be marriages, it can be businesses, it can be education. That six through nine time is long when you're going through it. But then when you get to verse 10, when you actually get the life, when you actually get the breath and are brought to life in your dry situation is redeemed it doesn't seem that long anymore and not only does it not seem that long anymore you appreciate all the time you had to spend waiting you appreciate the struggle that you had to go through you appreciate it because had it just been given to you you might not have taken advantage of it I uh, used to go to daycare when I was very young with a couple of students and um, one thing that I always thought strange about them uh, was uh, that they didn't wrap gifts. Now, I come from a household where we didn't wrap gifts either. But even though we didn't wrap gifts, you didn't see what you was getting until Christmas. So there was an empty tree until Christmas day. If there was anything under the tree, it was wrapped. But uh, my friends that I went to daycare with, they had presents under the tree and they weren't wrapped. And they had to sit here and look at all these presents under the tree for almost a month. And as other gifts came, they would compare... (laughs) What they had. And because they got to see everything that they were supposed to get, they didn't appreciate any of it. There was no six through nine moment. There was no time for waiting. And because of that, they did not appreciate it. And so I've learned to appreciate the struggle. I may not have everything I want right now. But it's on its way. Everything that God has for me is on its way. I just need to wait. Because as it comes, I will appreciate it more. Whether it be education, whether it be the, the job, whether it be anything that I want. Spending time not having a lot of money allows me to manage it better. Getting sick. Allows me to pay more attention to my health so that I don't get sick again. I learn to appreciate the six through nine moments. I try to find something that I can learn from the six through nine moment. And when the breath finally came, the bones were connected. And you know, oftentimes when I hear this preached, I usually can tell who's browsed over a a set of Gray's Anatomy before they preach the sermon. Because every time I've heard it preached, we start talking about metacarsals connecting to this and that. And you start naming individual bones. You know, just saying that the, the toe bone connected to the foot bone is not good enough anymore. You got to be able to name them and saying that the foot bone connected to the heel. No, no, no. We want to know every bone. I'm not really one of those persons personally. But once they spoke, the once they spoke that the life came to them and the bones started connecting, sinew to sinew and bone to bone and they were connected and then they got breath and they got life. Situation was dead. Yeah. And it got life. Yeah. Because God spoke it. Mm. Because God willed it. Because God gave that life-giving word, all the bones connected and all the sinews connected, and they were revived. And just like they were revived, your situation can be revived. I mentioned James Weldon Johnson, author of Lift Every Voice and Sing and of Them Bones, Them Bones. He saw a dead situation come to life. He was around in the 1800s. A black man that wrote the Negro National Anthem in this bone, this bone. He was a son of a waiter. And his father, on a waiter's salary in the 1800s, was able to put him through school. And he graduated. And not only did he graduate, he went on to go to law school and become an attorney. In 1894, a black man going for the bar exam. And he did so good on his bar exam that the examiners walked out because they didn't want to see a black man become a lawyer in 1890. But he didn't just stop there, going from being just the son of a waiter to graduating school and becoming a lawyer. He ended up working for President Theodore Roosevelt. In the 1800s and was appointed, a con- he, ho- he worked on his campaign and became the consul to Venezuela. Black man, educated in the 1800s, traveling all over the world and working for the president. In 1890, they just finished taking the chains off of us. It does not matter where you start. God can take any situation and turn it into life. I know I'm a witness. I can see the date on my tombstone. I can see it being March of 1998 in Juan Solomon Park. But God said something different. God told me to go home before my friends decided to shoot each other. A dead situation brought to life. It does not matter where you start or how qualified you think you are, how qualified or unqualified you are not or how unqualified you are, rather, if God has it for you, Amen. your dead, dry situation can come to life. Amen. Doesn't matter what you did in high school. Doesn't matter whether or not you went to college or not. It doesn't matter if God has a plan for you. If you follow through that plan and do what God says, those dry bones can come to life. Amen. That same breath that he spoke, that same that ruach, that same spirit, It's the same spirit that not only resurrected the bones, and not only became the prophecy for the house of Israel, for the families to be connected, for the people to come back together. But that's the same breath that if you go further into the Bible, is the same breath that is used on Lazarus when Lazarus says, come forth. And that is the same breath that is with Jesus on the night that he is betrayed and the same breath that is with him when he is beaten with a cat of nine tails and the same breath when he dies for us. And it's the same breath that tells us that death is not where the story ends. Amen. This all-inclusive whole of all reality, the unmoved mover, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the king of all, tells us that death is not where the story ends. And if you so believe in him and believe that he was crucified for your sins and believe that God raised him from the dead on the third day, Amen. you will be saved. Yes. In the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come.